0: can change the world, change the world, change the world. Can we can change the world, we can change the world, change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
0: War and hate to a place of love, it's not too late. Gotta save the children, we can't wait. Let's change the world. I am breathing. Hi,
2: welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Thursday, January 26th. 2023, we have got our mayoral debate. WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, my home here at AM 950 Radio, my home to the north in Minneapolis, St. Paul. But here at WCPT, on February 28th, we're having our mayoral election. And if none of the nine candidates reach the 50% threshold, we will have a runoff. But in the meantime, we want to know what's going on with these candidates today. They will all be at our mayoral forum our forum, or they will be asking some pointed questions that the station came up with. And we're very, very excited. Joan Esposito, Patty Vasquez, and yours truly, Santita Jackson, will be moderating that debate. Um, We want you to chime in at 11 o'clock. We're going to have lunch, 12 o'clock, the forum begins So please go to WCPT820.com and go to the Santita Jackson and Friends page and my YouTube channel. I'm going to share it so that you can see it. In the meantime, I am so glad to be with you today because we've got a lot going on. I've got Congressman Ro Khanna. Yes, he will be on with us today just in time. People are wondering if he's going to run for the Senate. Is he going to run for president? And will he comment, and I know that he will, on uh, the replatforming of former President Trump? You know, he is from Silicon Valley and many people he came under some criticism, uh, because he did not feel that the president, the former president, should have been deplatformed. I happen to agree with him. Thank you enlarge people. That is not their job. Let people speak unless they're speaking to violence. You know? So going to talk with him today. And then of course Dr. Max Wolf, making the tie between your personal instability and all this economic upheaval in our lives you know they do tie domestic violence to uh to not having your money they say when the honey is gone uh, so when the money is gone so is the honey well there's a lot for us to talk about with respect to that. Um, And we're going to be talking about this mayoral race. I want to know, who do you have in this race? Who has impressed you the most thus far? We're about a month away from the election itself. Uh, While other polls have shown Mayor Lightfoot falling way behind, guess what? Her own poll shows her ahead, and it shows Garcia falling behind. So I want to know, what are your thoughts? Call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278 773-763-9278 Mr. Braves, I am Reverend and Mrs. Jackson, Jackson's daughter. I'm their eldest child. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you for being with us. And um, so let's get right to it, everybody. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 32 degrees. Snow showers. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 14 degrees and sunny. Doesn't seem like it would be sunny when it's 14 degrees, but it will be. The NFL were waiting for the Super Bowl February twelfth, but not until we get through these championships this past this this upcoming weekend is gonna be great. In the NBA, the Timberwolves one eleven the pelicans 102 and the bulls will be playing the hornets tonight in the nhl the flyers will be facing off against the wild and chicago will be facing off against the flames everybody what else is going on in the world so much so much everybody gun violence communities across the united states are being upended nearly every day as mass shootings in workplaces schools and offices and houses of worship are becoming commonplace there have been 40 mass shootings in the country this month. There've only been twenty six days in the year, everybody. More than seventy people are dead, according to the gun violence archive. On Wednesday the suspect in the Half Moon Bay, California shooting was charged with seven counts of murder in what is the deadliest attack in San Mateo County's history, according to their district attorney. We're gonna to have to continue to examine The guns, us, both, all of it. An air raid alert is in place across Ukraine today as Russia uh, fired more than 30 missiles at the country this morning, according to uh, the Ukrainian Air Force. The attacks come after the U.S. and Germany said on Wednesday they would send tanks to Ukraine to aid in their defense efforts. Updated COVID-19 boosters are cutting the risk that a person will get sick from the coronavirus by about half. It's under 50%. The threshold for efficacy, according to the World Health Organization, is 50%. These uh, vaccines are 48%. We're going to have to continue to talk about that. Dr. Knighton will not be with us today, but we'll revisit that with many other doctors. And so those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. We've got Pastor Darius Brooks. Grace Central Church out there in Westchester. What is your address? And how can we get this food? You have been serving hundreds of people every single week. We're so glad to have you, Pastor Brooks. How can we get some food from you? And what is your address? How can we worship with you before you give us the good news? Good
1: morning, Santina. Great. Good morning, The Grace Central Church, one oh two sixteen, South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. Again that's Grace. Central Church, 10216 South uh, uh, Kitchener Street, that's Kitchener E.R., in Westchester, Illinois, right off of 290, in Manheim, Santita every Tuesday from five till seven, we have not stopped a year before the pandemic. From five to seven, it's eight different townships, and we serving people. They coming from everywhere, and then on Wednesday, we don't want the seniors out, so from twelve till two we have the seniors come out. We did it on uh, uh, this last past Wednesday, and when I tell you they was coming out in droves, I mean in the ooh, cold and in the snow. So we're excited to serve. He that is great among you, let him be a, a servant. Santita, I got a good word, you said it today, about uh, people trying to ox or moxel or oxel the mouth or trying to stop people from doing things or their own decisions and choices. Ooh, I love God's word getting into it. This morning I want to do a quick track record, track with me. Psalms 18 and 30, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler a shield that holds one to those that trust him. thing. I'm about to get up and run out of here. If I had to use for a, a thought this morning, my track record with my God, my track record, with my God. the, The things each of us must do alone, be born alone, we must believe alone. We must believe what we believe alone. We must live out what we believe alone and then we must die alone. It's a waste of time when you compare your life to anybody else. It's frustrating. The way God has you and things, don't make the biggest mistake by underestimating his plan for your personal life. My God, I'm about to run, Santita. And who you are based on your print that he has created that's already scripted. Some of us have been through a lot in our own personal life's journeys, and a lot of it we have survived by running and hiding. When it comes to God's Word, we're running the numbers. And I like that, Santita, because every scripture when you read it, if you look at it, you're dealing with some numbers, girl. Psalms 119, Romans 8, uh, 28, my favorite scripture, all things work together for the good. Isaiah 118, come now, let us reason together, are the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Uh, 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 I could do all things through Christ that strengthens me. The believers just don't listen to anybody. We find a way that when we're in deep pain and when we meet crazy, it doesn't find us in foster care. Not a criticism, just an observation. Foster care is needed in some situations where some was left without guidance or direction. Somebody say, My track record with God. I'll close and I got to get out of here, God is monitoring. You and me and what we say we do and what he put in us is how you and me be our very best. He's tracking you. Make sure your track record with God is simply reading, believing, trusting, and obeying what you know he wants you to do. Don't use the world's GPS. Use GGPS, God's global positioning position. Here you'll find yourself doing what you do best first being you, in and through his plan, he is already taking care of the rest. What the fool does in the end is what the believers does in the beginning. My God, my God, when it comes to trusting God, make sure your track record attacks procrastination by eliminating all the excuses and reasons for not taking decisive and immediate action when it comes to you and your life, and knowing his word and trusting him for yourself. Because believe God, believe his word, believe his way, is perfect. His word has been tried and he holds fast to one who trusts in him. Indeed, I don't know who this is for. Yes, I do. It's for love on this land, right? now. God knows who to send, when, and where for exactly what you need. And once you position yourself in Christ for you, he orchestrates events to move us in his will to put us with the right kind of people that we become strong together to do the work that he has intended not to fail. My track record with God.
2: Amen to that. Amen. Amen. Pastor Darius Brooks, Grace Central Church. What I need you to do is let us know very quickly, once again, how can we get to your church? How can we worship with you? And how can we get this food should we need it? So many of us do.
1: Uh, well, again, Grace Central Church, Sunday morning. I'm excited. Please come. I'd love to see your faith and fellowship. It's very impactful and informative. 10216 South Kitchener Street, Rochester, Illinois, Grace Central Church. On Tuesdays, the food pantry is from 5 to 7, and Wednesday, the food pantry is from 12 uh, to 2. We have a big food pantry. We give away two to $300 worth of food each session. It, you got some personalities coming to Grace Central that you know very well. A lot of us are dealing with some things. People tell somebody Grace Central serves. On last night as well, we had a, a, a symposium at the church about uh, when you die, Santita, it's a new thing with the city of Chicago where all you got to do is pay $50. You ain't got to be with no attorneys, no probate, no judges, no court. $50 takes care of you. Transfer any personal things you own, house, home, business, to the person of your choice. That's it. $50. Once you do this, once you pay the $50, it's a new program, Santita, please, Grace church, uh, net. Go to that. We'll give you the information. Once you pay this $50 and put whoever you want on all of your stuff, watch this. It don't go to court. You can't go to probate. You don't need no attorney. It's a new program. It goes literally straight to that person.
2: Amen. Amen. We love it. <laughs> Pastor Gary's Brooks. Pastor Gary's Brooks, everybody, Great Central Church, sow a seed and help them to increase their ministry. I love you, Pastor Brooks. So let me bring on Dwight we bring him on very quickly because we have got this mayoral forum today. We're going to have Patty Vasquez, my colleague. I love Patty Vasquez. She's on, of course, afternoon. She's about to get another hour, 5 to 7, every day. Um, and we're going to be talking with her and Reverend Jeanette Wilson about what they expect from this debate. And, and it will be fascinating to hear get Patty's perspective, but I want to hear from you, uh, Dwight, because you've lived through more than one um, mayoral election in Chicago. Uh, this election, uh, these elections, the Chicago mayoral means a lot. It's uh, one of the most important seats in the United States. What do you want to hear from this forum today?
3: Good morning. <laughs> well, what I'd like to... Here is a regional approach to this mayoral election in terms of the economic development. You know, Mayor Daley used O'Hare Airport to develop planes in Schomburg And he used the um the Dan Ryan Expressway and McCormick Place to develop the trades in the road builders union. And they use downtown Chicago and High Park to develop Skokie and uh Winneka is what has happened historically is they've used the resources of the city to develop the suburbs and the uh quite parts of the of of community. They use the public service sector, police firemen and um and sanitation to develop uh, Beverly and and in those areas, and so what you've had is you've had you've had a disincentive and the de-development in the black community because the resources have been transferred to the white community. They've taken the tips from Inglewood and put them in the major developers on, on the north side. And so I think that what the mayor has to do, the new mayor has to do, is take a regional approach to develop all of those uh, south suburban and south side uh, opportunities for those who have been disinvested for the last 100 years, 50 to 100 years. I would really like to see them put River, uh, Jesse Jackson Jr.'s notion of a airport in the South back on the list of things to be dealt with because they can have a regional impact in terms of development. They about you know, to you
2: you know it was actually much more than a notion. They had more than half a billion dollars in committed contracts. The pushback that Congressman Jackson got, quite frankly was from unions and the Democratic Party here. Hmm. Can you explain that?
3: Absolutely. Because he was pushing,
2: he was pushing for been, black and brown people and women to get the contracts.
3: Absolutely, because they've always been the direct benefactors of the racism, because they've locked us out of the unions and locked us out of O'Hara, locked us out of the economic development, locked us out of, out of those contracts. And so anything that would become a competition to them, they fight against. And the mayor always puts signs on them. I'm watching them do the same thing with the bears. For yeah. hundred years, the city carried the bears, literally on their backs. Now that they become stabilized, and become, you know, more valuable. Now they're going to use the bears to do. To restabilize and gentrify Arlington. Hmm. I say that let them go. Let we get another team. I'm like, well, <laughs> get another team. <laughs> you kind of like Willie
2: Wilson.
3: <laughs> and, and give us a chance to <laughs> own a franchise. Why should one family own one franchise for 100 years and nobody else have an opportunity to own a team when. 80% of the players are black. So I would sit down with some of the major investors like a, um, a John Rogers and uh, and have them put together some economic package to be able to bring a new team in here that we could have some ownership in. There was, they was say, promised Walter Payton a team in St. Louis years ago, and then they balked on that. So I see this as an opportunity to open up the marketplace. I think we have to have a regional approach to economic development because we've been destabilized so long. It's, I will look at what Rahm did with the housing, where he set on half a billion dollars and never have invested it in housing as they took all our prime land running down State Street, Korea, Korea, running on the west side, Cabrini-Green. And I would revisit those promises that was made to the people then and and, and reinvest in housing in those areas where well, they lied to the people and said that they was going to bring them back and never did. They made all the vouchers for the suburbs. And the other thing they've done they're doing now is they are transferring wealth from Pilsen and from the south suburbs by uh, enhancing their taxes and doubling their taxes while they reduce the taxes of the corporations downtown. It's no accident that this is a tale of two cities because all of the resources is drained from one and reinvested in the other. And so, when the other guy, when the guys talk about like values that they want to enhance the police, they want to get the police more power. It's tantamount to draining all the blood out of a out of a person, and then arresting him for staying in the sidewalk. they they've really have done a tremendous job of transferring our resources to the outside community, creating industries around them and tech centers around them, using the city resources to stabilize them and to destabilize us. So I would like to hear the mayoral candidates talk about a regional approach and and do for the south suburbs what they've done for the west suburbs and the northern suburbs.
2: indeed that is what congressman jesse jackson jr ran on and he did deliver that airport but
4: (laughs) the democrats
2: yes the the democrats and the union stood in his way now uh, that needs to change and these are some of the questions that if they're not asked today they're on your mind and so you should press 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 for them to be asked because this is really what it comes down to. I'm almost with you and Dr. Wilson. Hey, if the Bears want to go, hey, Saras, Saras, Sayonara, bye. Let's build a team here in Chicago. That's what we need. Okay? <laughs> Let's talk with Patty Vasquez in just a few minutes on The Santita Jackson Show.
0: change
1: the world we can change the world change
0: the world we this can. is the Santita Jackson show and
2: hate to pace of hey everybody welcome 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 back to the Santita Jackson show I am so excited I have got Patty vasquez with me she does afternoons here at WCPT. And I hope my friends from AM 950 Radio in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and, and a couple of other CDs I'm going to be rolling into, I hope that you will be joining her. She's about to get another hour. 5 to 7 p.m. on WCPD. Brilliant, brilliant show. Brilliant commentator. Brilliant thought leader. And I'm so excited that she's with us today before we get to you, Patty Vasquez. We've been talking with Dwight McKee about the the issues that we really, that he and other people really want to talk about. Increasing economic opportunity. I know you're going to be touching upon that today. But you know what? The Super Bowl is coming back, Patty. (laughs) February 12th, (laughs) Oh, this, I mean, she, let me tell you, Chapeau has got meatballs and everything else, and the food is great. So, Chapeau, tell us how we can get these biddles, because I'm going to get me some. Which means, Santita. Yes, Santita. And, yes, and celebrations by us. We are gearing up for the Super Bowl as well as also Valentine's Day. So, give us a call 708 526 4546. We can definitely handle your meatballs, your sliders, your hot wings, your barbecue wings, your teriyaki wings, as well as also your garlic parmesan. We're also doing uh, loaded potatoes, as well as also uh, spaghetti, dips, whatever you need for your holiday party. Don't hesitate to give us a call. 708-526-4546. 708-526-4546. 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. I know I'm getting my spaghetti, I'm getting my meatballs, and I'm getting the teriyaki wings. That's what. Wait a minute, I'm, and I'm going to pass it off, Cheryl, like I like I made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Everybody everybody, No, it's not me. Uh, yeah, but that look, you know, you go to the party, you try not to go empty handed, and I'm going. I'm not going empty handed. How about that? Yeah, and that's what I'm taking. I'm taking her spaghetti. I'm taking her teriyaki, and I'm taking the meatballs. So thank you, thank you for I made Talked me order on the air. Patty Vasquez, everybody. She is a she has a show that you need to listen to from five to six currently. She's about to go from five to seven here on WCPT. I want my AM nine fifty radio family and all my other families from around the country and people from all around the country and all around the world to tune in on the YouTube channel, Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel, and and, and the Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page. We will be moderating this mayoral forum. It's not a debate, it's a forum in which these nine candidates who are all on the ballot, they're going to be able to share with you their views about education, about various issues. But you know what? Let me let Patty take it away. I'm very, very excited to be sharing the stage with you, and I just think that you a magnificent show. And um Oh I'm proud to be your colleague.
5: Oh, right back. Every morning, you know, I have a son who we uh, get ready for uh, school at about 6 a.m. So we have Ewan. And it's funny because, you know, the great thing about talk radio is with all the perspectives you bring in, sometimes I'm laughing, sometimes I'm yelling at the radio, sometimes I'm cheering. Oh, it's uh, You have such a re- remarkable and marvelous show in the mornings.
2: Oh, bless your heart. I feel so... Oh, no, you you get me going, and and my love to your family, because I've had to kind of pull you away from this morning a little early. But I do want to, we've been talking with Dwight McKee, as you've been here, a brilliant social scientist, about, you know, just about, I wanted to know what are the concerns that people have, Patty Vasquez, and, you know, and I'd like to, and I think we're really trying to touch upon them, and we're going to continue to touch upon them on our shows through February 28th, and should we have a, and even beyond, whether we have a runoff or not, uh, because people really are they're looking for answers and looking to save their homes they're looking for economic opportunity they're looking to not just look at crime but what's what's this crime rooted in i mean what do you what do you think that people will get from this forum today what do you want people to get from this forum today i think
5: we are all looking for well one I think a lot of us want to be inspired by someone too. That's, that's, you know, the, the momentum and energy behind Lori Lightfoot's campaign the last time around. And if people remember, her polling numbers were low. I know folks are looking at all these numbers, uh, who's leading, how these numbers shift. Lori was only at 3% in, uh, 2008, in 2019, three weeks before the election. So anything can happen along the way, whether it's the narrative changes, whether the energy changes, if there's something that happens, the last moment, but you know, we were we were at a time when uh, it was finally an open seat. I mean, it doesn't happen that often, as you know, at Mayor Daly. The last time it was that short was Mayor, maybe Mayor Jane Byrne um, and Mayor Washington, who really transformed the city in so many ways. W- whether it was the idea that you know the machine could work for the people, because he was kind of part of the machine, wasn't he? He came from uh, mm-hmm. uh, the political machine but was able to transform it in a way that uh, we are still reaping some of the benefits from, the power from different communities that ha- didn't have a voice for a long time. But some of that still remains. I, I heard in the last half hour about uh, the disenfranchisement, the disinvestment of communities for over a century. That still has an impact, and there are people in communities like mine on the far northwest side that see crime as somebody else's problem, not the fact that violence is erupting in places that are where our neighbors live. Our, you know, We shouldn't think of children in black and brown communities as somebody else's problem. There are kids. There are families, our neighbors. And I think that's something that we're looking for in a leader of Chicago to, to really uh, bring that message home and deliver on it. To, to really show us that schools on the South side on the west side should be as good as North side prep or lane tech um, that, that's that 's what i 'm looking for i 'm looking for someone who wants to really inject a lot of of, of momentum into our public transportation because everyone is completely um, in a position of not relying on CTA, people who have to come from communities that aren't serviced as well as the northwest side. And even, you know, getting to O'Hare has been a, a problem for people. It, it's not consistent. People want stability and, and, and predictability, and we're not getting that from public transportation. We're not getting that from public safety. We're not getting that from education. And someone want, Everyone wants answers from our next leader, don't you think?
6: I,
2: absolutely. I think that. And I'm wondering, and that's why we have to really go past what the corporate media are and are not asking, Patty, because the fact yes. is, these are the bread and butter issues that people are, are concerned about. When we just heard Dwight McKee, brilliant social scientist who's still with us, then um, we're going to go to Pam because she's been from the West Side, she's been waiting. It's these underserved communities who... Give their all to build up these affluent communities. And, you know, this is what happened with Gary, Indiana, when Richard Hatcher and Carl Stokes won these, the big two, three of the biggest cities at the time in the United States got black men in 1967. You had Carl Stokes in Cleveland. You had Kenneth Gibson in Newark, New Jersey. And you had Richard Hatcher in um, in Steeltown which was Gary. I mean, and that was a, was a real, real big industry there. All right. Um, as soon as he won, Patty, the white flight was incredible. And then they left and created another city called Merrillville has been of course Gary subsidized that. We're subsidizing. I'm almost with with uh Dr w- Dr Wilson. Look, if the Bears wanna leave go. Be the Arlington Bears. Whatever. We need a we need a team here. And we should not pay for you. <laughs> we need to get the returns on our investments, Patty Baskin. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean and people and we need access to the contracts, to the city contracts. Equal yes. access to the city contract, right? We need that airport that Congressman Jackson uh, he didn't just advocate for it. The governor signed it. Signed for it. It was the Democrats and the unions that stood in the way. I mean, we need some economic development out here. Because we're, we're starving, Patty. I I agree. It, it is
5: unconscionable that we continue to withhold Opportunity and mobility in communities that we owe so much to. Uh, I went to a school on the northwest side. You know, my mother is from Mexico, and uh, my father was second-generation Irish, a cab driver, and they didn't have a lot of money in the '70s. But they found an apartment on the far northwest side. My mom wanted to live in, a, in an area where the schools were really good, and that was the, the trade-off they had was living in an area where she was not welcomed. You know, she rode the 68 Northwest Highway bus to work, and people would ask her who's houses she cleaned when she was on her way to a a job with the federal government as a computer programmer. And the the northwest side had a lot of uh, has a lot still has a lot of growing pains but what i learned from first grade on was that the city of chicago because of the uh, the move to for desegregation would put kids on buses from black and brown communities and send them to the northwest side a neighborhood that was safe and clean and basically teach these kids you can't live here we're going to make you to go to school here go to get on a bus and an hour hour and a half in each direction kids who are exhausted who were not welcomed in my neighborhood i am not i when i in the last two decades i was not surprised at the bu- black flight because the community has been taught for decades for over a century that the city is not here for you the, the, the going downtown is is for for other people for tourists for people who can afford it when i saw that curfew last year the kids were not, could not go to grant park after 9 p.m. or whatever the time was that was it felt specific to kids who already didn't feel like they were part of the city. And I think that's a big part of the problem is that we, the city isn't, isn't for everyone. And that's something we we are looking for in our next leader.
2: Mm. You know what? Let me bring on Pam, Pam, what's on your mind today? Uh,
6: Good morning, Santita. So much uh, that has already been said, Uh, but let me first say that crime um, is everybody's issue. And it it seems like they want to put the onus on black people and black leadership when it's the responsibility of all. Because there is white-collar crime, then there is a political corruption, and all of it either initiates there or feeds into it. And I know I don't have time to go into details, but that's what I wanted to put on the table. As for a mayor or a candidate, I'm looking for someone that I believe I can trust. Uh, Santita, I've called on your show and said, I believe these candidates right now, we need to start having polygraph tests. We need to have polygraph tests for candidates, and we need them for elected officials, Mm -hmm. and they need to be random, just like we do for law enforcement, because there is something very peculiar going on in the air. As for mayor, I want someone who has a very concrete plan how to bring the uh, black participation up to 30% for construction workers. If that's something that's set in an ordinance or law, who's going to make that? uh, come to fruition and how soon will it take? What's your specific plan? I'm also looking to, uh, I'm going to just say it. Republican proof. Uh, the fifth floor, I'm not looking for anyone who has an affiliation to Republican, conservative, uh, Trump supporters, uh, the big lies sympathizers, oath keepers, proud boys. I'm looking for us to really try to, um, ensure that if we get an attack, from uh, Republicans on the federal state or any level that we have a, a, an executive leader that is going to push back and protect us from that. I'm also looking for someone who's going to speak to racism in a true and, and very realistic way, because for me, the onus of ending racism, eradicating racism, we all can play a part, but it has to start with those who practice it. And lastly, the, the the academy that's on uh, the West side, I'm on the West side, then, Peter. I don't see that changing one iota, the amount of racism or police shootings. Uh, it, it's not going to do it. They have this wonderful training facility, but no one is telling me how we're going to terminate or rid ourselves of the racist officers. And those who look like me and you, Santita, who uh, also have very oppressive tendencies and and self hate for Black people. See, I, I, so that's what I'm listening for. That's what I'll be voting for in an elected official. And also, they have to be an executive leader. What kind of people are you going to appoint to these department heads to oversee the budgets to make sure that the resources are uh, are are dispensed equitably? And then sometimes, Santita, you have to give more. When I look at, um, they just on the news talked about Christ King and their state of the art digital facility, STEM facility. And then you look at just at the depravity in other schools. How in the world and how quickly are we going to bring them up to par? Education is the foundation of everything.
2: And so I, I'm, I'm really going Pam, to listening. Well, well, yes. well, Pam, that is why you know, and Patty, that's why you know, as we've been having these meetings about the questions for the debate, I've pushed so hard on as we talk about crime. You know, people say joblessness, and I'm like, i, I got you, but that's a very white liberal approach. The fact is, when you talk to black and brown people on the ground and people who are living on the downside of advantage, they know that closing 50-plus schools, Rom Manuel closing of those schools, denying people access to education, dangerous. And, and it was very harmful, particularly for people for whom it was illegal to learn to read and write for 200 years. It was cruel. And then, you know, in the daily administration, they call about 10. They right there. Patty, I want you to respond to that. And then I want Reverend Jeanette Wilson to, to respond to that. I mean, because you, you heard from Pam a whole lot, Patty.
5: <laughs> and I, I agree. I mean, there you know, some of the things that she even touched on at, at the beginning of that, as far as the political corruption and the white-collar crimes and the things that, you know, the media picks up on, the carjackings and uh, and thefts and things like that, uh, of course that's going to be louder and amplified because it's salacious. Uh, but 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 so much of the corruption that has been baked into our politics has had some the worst catastrophic uh, outcomes. You know, when we talk about those schools that Rahm Emanuel closed uh, over 50 schools, you know, that goes back to what I was talking about. this, This idea that the kids on the south and west sides are somehow disposable in a way. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not worth investing in. When you invest in people, you save lives in so many ways. And there's just no getting around that. And we have disinvested. Closing those schools not just took away opportunities and access, it said you're not worth it to those neighborhoods. You're not worth investing in. You're going to have to walk farther. You're going to have to walk through communities that you might not feel safe in, and and it's a reminder that we have turned our backs on those communities. And it does start with education, because education doesn't just give them the access to the world through books through learning math and science mm-hmm. it also helps build confidence conflict resolution if we're investing in kids and teaching them how to resolve emotional the, the emotional trauma that they go through you know may, the mayor had promised that we were going to have social workers and nurses in every school and we haven't even gotten to that uh, there's there's so much that needs to be done for our kids because yes you're right the, the joblessness the, we're, we're talking about something that you know Uh, that has been the culmination of disinvestment. And if we're not talking about what can be done now, I was talking to a police officer about, you know, the, 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 violence at the park last summer uh, every year there seems to be something that goes on at North Avenue Beach and i've said you know what what you know if we had done something 8 years ago you might not see Grant Park this summer erupt into violence because we are not every time something happens we want to put a put the fire out now rather than figuring out what makes it combustible what is leading to this and uh, and and closing those city schools has definitely uh, led to a lot of this
2: oh. It's been a horrible thing. Reverend Jeanette Wilson, uh, this is Patty Vasquez. You've got to listen to her show and you've got to do her show. She is magnificent. She'll be on from 5 to 7 on WCPT. Brilliant, brilliant talk show host and public servant. I will say that as well. That is what she does do. Reverend Wilson, why don't you respond to what you heard from Patty and Pam and White McKee and Louise. your you respond?
4: Well... (coughs) Good morning, Santi, and thank you for always uh, pushing the envelope on your program, having people think outside of the box. I think as we look at these mayoral candidates... It's incumbent upon those of you who are going to pose the questions to look at their backgrounds. I think it's three of them. I uh, really uh, represent legislative bodies, either at the county, the state, or the city. And the question is, as a legislator, one who makes the rules and addresses and appropriates funds, what have you done to address the problems that exist? Because everybody knows, oh, yeah, we need more investment. Well, how did you vote when you were in city council? What'd You do at the state level to ensure more funding to how did you fight for more funding to come to Chicago public schools when you're at the state or at the county? How did you make sure that the schools in your district were properly funded, properly resourced? How did you make sure that mental health? Programs were countywide, state, you know, statewide, what they focus on your legislative district. You know, oftentimes, uh, it's easy to point fingers forward, but let's look inward at each one of them. When Ballas was at CPS, what did he do to uh, take all of the bright children, have them removed from uh, neighborhood schools, and so you diminish the, uh, the outcomes in neighborhood schools and concentrate. The better uh, minds in uh, Whitney Young High School, uh, Peyton High School, and so the rest of the high schools become dumping ground for kids that had no options. Not that they were not as smart, they didn't have the same level of resources and expectations. And so I think, Patty, you in particular can you know, pose some, some hard questions say, hey, you, are, you were there, you were here what What kind of things do you did you do as in your former capacity to make a difference, uh, and so how would you now address this coming out of a pandemic uh, coming out of uh, this level of virus? How do you get the police officers to come off the blue flu? and function across the city equitably. And so I think those are some of the questions. And, you you know, certainly asking the mayor the same kind of question. You've been here four years. What did you do? What did you inherit? And what did you do with what you inherited to make it better? Because, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, crime is the problem. Well, how about the fact that most of these neighborhoods, we know they've been disinvested, but how has policing changed when a black chief of police, superintendent of police's place. What what changes happened in the mindset of the officers, the rank and file, those who are assigned in the community? I just think that we have to reframe this discussion so you look at bl- black and brown communities, what happened to them, and how much does it, what does it take to change what has happened over a course of three decades? When the mayor was in charge of the key holding,
2: proposal. well, absolutely, Patty Vasquez. I have had—I'm number one. I'm inviting you back on the show because I think that you and I need to open up this discussion and have a bigger one. Okay, just—I really wanted to do that um, because I think that you have a lot to say, and I think that there's a lot. That We have to discuss, you know, you live on the northwest side, I grew up on the south side, and really almost in two different communities. I grew up in South Shore, but I grew up in Hyde Park on the University of Chicago campus because my parents came here because my father was a student, a graduate student at the University of Chicago. So I've seen Chicago from a few different places, and I'm also from the first full graduating class of Whitney Young. So, I mean, Whitney Young was so hot. The superintendent of schools, Joe Hannon, took his daughter out of her high school and put her there. The CTU president put her son there. I didn't realize all that because Reverend was so controversial. I just had to have great scores because they, they would not have let me in the school. would have going to do controversial. The last two minutes belong to you. What do you want people to look for today? And I want you to come back to my show. I mean, like in days. Oh, I what I want people to
5: look for is is answers to the questions that we ask, I know that whenever we watch these these forums, we'll ask one question and then they answer the question they want to be asked. Right. That they want to answer. Uh, sure. You know, are they able to really stand there? and you know and tell us what their plan is succinctly uh without these lofty uh sort of platitudes are they going to give us specifics I, you know and i remember last time around there were things like well i'm going to need to look at the numbers you know we were given a lot of promises even from the mayor we have right now about whether it was lead pipes or the elected school board all the things that we were told then i mean you know they are asking us to believe them and uh and we know what the last mayor's, this mayor's uh, promises were and whether or not she delivered. So I, I guess we have to go by their word ultimately. And, and where does that uh, leave us? What, what, what do their answers uh, really mean? I guess you have to take the sort of congregate of all these forms as much as you can, follow as much as, as, as your last speaker said. Look into their backgrounds. Ask what they, what their experiences with education, with public safety, with transportation. And I would add to that for my community um, is a disabled population. You know, what? Is, what how are they going to make the city accessible for all? And uh, and that's something I, I'm looking for as well.
2: Patty Vasquez, everybody, Patty Vasquez, you don't want to miss her show. It is every day from five to six. Five to six. When do you go to five to seven, Patty? I'm at 5 to 7. We we are this week. I'll be 5 to 7 from now on. All right, all right. I'm so happy for you. This is just a great thing. She has a great show. Oh, she's great. And I'm inviting you back to the show now. You know, we should do a post-mortem on this forum. um, I would love to. Oh, yeah, I want to do that. Because, I mean, we've got to look at, we've got to really honestly talk about what we're looking at. I want you to speak with Dwight McKee during this break, but... I'm going to have to move people over because we've got Congressman Ro Khanna coming up. That's right. Talking about the deplatforming of President Trump, the replatforming of President Trump, the new Congress. There is so much that he is. he going run for president? Is he at least going to run for U.S. Senate out of California? There's so much we've got to ask Congressman Ro Khanna. Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a few minutes. Love you, Patty. Patty Vasquez, everybody, from 5 to 7 p.m. on Chicago. Chicago's progressive talk, right here on WCBP twenty. We can
0: change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, can. We can, change the world. We can change the world, change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson show.
0: War and hate, to a place of love, it's not too late. Gotta save the children. We can't wait. Let's change the world.
2: everybody it's thursday january twenty-sixth. early voting for the mayor's race begins today here in chicago wcpt 820 the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and am 950 radio voice of progressive minnesota we've been talking about the mayor's race i know we were going to have congressman Rokana today we're going to reschedule him he had a personal emergency i just got a text from him just a few minutes ago and um you know he's a dear friend of this show and the only reason that he can't be here is because it's that there's something that he's got as you keep him and his family in your prayers are doing okay but um, he's going to have to be with us at a later date. In, in a little few days, we're going to do that. So, everybody, I want you to call me at 773 763 We just had Patty Vasquez who is on here on WCPT from 5 to 7, Monday through Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we've been talking about the mayor's race. She and I are going to do a post-mortem on our forum and on this, you know, really looking at the race on my show and on hers. We're going to do that in the next few days. I'm looking forward to that. She's got a brilliant show. I hope you will give her your support. Um, And everybody, I want you to meet my Morning Stars on the Santita Jackson and Friends page, my Facebook page, and the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. And I am on Twitter at Santita J. Hey, everybody, please meet me over there. We're talking about the mayor's race and really the real deal. What are we looking for? What should we be looking for from the mayor? Uh, Dwight McKee has laid it out so brilliantly. The economic development, the money, the money. What about the money? What about the access to the contract? What about how Chicago subsidizes the suburbs? What about that? I mean, what, let's talk about these things. These are the questions that need to be asked. What about closing all these schools? What's the plan to educate all these children? We don't need fewer schools with more kids in the classroom. We need more schools with fewer kids in the classroom. We need libraries, they need psychologists. We need, we need, we need, we need, we need. And that needs to happen. And those are the questions that need to be asked. Those are the questions. Those are the questions that need to be asked. So today, of course, at twelve noon, go to WCPT, go to the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel, go to go to all of our platforms. We will have this debate, of course, moderated by uh, led by Joan Esposito, of course Patty Vasquez, and yours truly Santita Jackson. So let's get right to it, everybody. Get a few of these headlines out the way so that we can get this breakdown from Dwight McKee and the brilliant Reverend Jeanette Wilson. Esquire, about what we need, the questions that we really need to be asking of these candidates. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 32 degrees. It's snowing already, everybody. Snow showers. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 14 degrees and sunny. Of course, we're waiting on the Super Bowl, February 12th, but we have to have these championship games this weekend. In the NBA, the Bulls will be facing off against the Hornets tonight. And the Timberwolves are trouncing over the Pelicans yesterday, 111 to 102 in the NHL. Chicago will be playing the flames and the flyers will be at the wild tonight. Did I tell you that you got to get out here and vote? That's right. That is coming up today. Everybody early voting. the Chicago marriage race begins today. Communities across the U.S. are being upended nearly every day as mass shootings in workplaces, schools, and housing worships have become commonplace. we had 40 mass shootings. We've had 26 days of the year, everybody, resulting in more than 70 people dead, according to the Gun Violence Archive. On Wednesday, the suspect in the Half Moon Bay, California shooting was charged with seven counts of murder in what is the deadliest attack in San Mateo County's history according to their district attorney. An air raid alert is in place across Ukraine today after Russia fired more than 30 missiles at the country this morning, according to the Ukrainian Air Force. Updated COVID-19 vaccine boosters are cutting the risk that a person will get sick from the coronavirus by about half under the 50% threshold set forth by the World Health Organization at 48% everybody, according to research from the CDC. So we're going to continue to talk about that when we get some more of our doctors in as we talk about it. And those are just some of the headlines. Everybody, we're looking for financial freedom, financial freedom, and it can be yours. There's a special program that Team Hockberg has, your trusted local lenders, called Perks for Work. If you're selling your home, if you're purchasing a new home, if you'd like to save thousands of dollars, you need to call Team Hochberg, your trusted local lender. Their new program, Perks at Work, is a benefit that will extend through the end of April when you can save thousands of dollars the next time you buy or sell your home. Let me tell you how it works. When a Team Hochberg-affiliated realtor sells your home, they'll reduce their fee up to 1%. When a Team Hockberg-affiliated realtor helps you to purchase a home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as at a, at a closing cost. Team Hockberg will credit their origination fee, and their affiliated attorney will reduce their fee. A couple saved close to $9,000 wow. using this per- program when they sold their home and purchased a new home. So to learn how you can save thousands of dollars as you purchase or sell a home, call Team Hockberg at 855 855- five six David, eight five five, five six David or visit them at five six david dot com. That's five six david dot com or eight five 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 six David and um your trusted local lender. Let's save some money and let's Let's make some money. All right, everybody, in a good way, in a good way. We're talking about the mayoral forum that WCPT will be hosting this afternoon. All nine of the candidates will be there, and they will be answering questions on public safety, on education, um, on economic opportunity. But I can hear um, Reverend uh, Jeanette Wilson from Rainbow Push, of course, the noted pastor and attorney, and Dwight McKee. Um, you all dug a little bit deeper. We're looking at economic opportunity. We're looking at what um, what the suburbs actually drain from the city, um, take from the city. What it, they it's a gift from the city to the suburbs. I mean, Dwight McKee, I feel like it's almost like Chicago's almost like Gary. <laughs> you know, we just, we build other cities while ours uh, while our own city struggles. Dwight McKee?
3: Yeah, it's a very parasitic relationship, and, and, and they, they feed off of us, and you can see the results of that because they get bigger and richer, and we get poorer and thinner. They literally drain from our community. When you look at the, the red lights and where that money goes and who gets that money, uh, which is why when they tried to put it in oak oak, oak the people resisted. They wouldn't accept re election you old know, Brook. Whereas they used the poor to balance the budget so that they don't have to raise property taxes for the rich. The boots. When you go to traffic court, and it's been like this for years and years and years and years, in a city that's 40 to 50 percent minority, the traffic courts are 95 percent black. Uh, we will paying the tickets. We have the and 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 it's much more difficult to park on the north side than mm-hmm. it is on the south side because there are more cars over there, and yet if you go to traffic court, you would think the opposite to be the case mm-hmm. that there's less park on the south side because they balance the budget off the backs of the poor, and and so there is a real Strategy for equity, we're going to keep having this this, this this tale of two cities where all of the resources are drained from our side of town so that the other side of town can, can become rich. In Chicago, there is the Gold Coast and then there is the Cold Coast. And we live on the Cold Coast. And, 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 and the benefits of all of that goes to the Gold Coast.
2: You know, Jeanette Wilson, Reverend Wilson. One would think that we just uh, don't know how to manage our money. (laughs) Um, There's just something wrong in the black community. Instead of real, I mean, and when you look at the disparity, you know, the life expectancy in Englewood more than sixty years, and you travel north, it's ninety. Come on, that can't be personal. That's systemic. And those are the questions that, you know, I mean, that's, I, want, I want that to be dealt with, Reverend Wilson.
4: Well, I think what has happened, uh, this this disinvestment has been a systemic issue in black and brown communities in the city of Chicago. Uh, and as a result of the disinvestment, there's been a continual pushing an exodus of black and brown people to uh, cheaper areas in the suburbs. You could buy a house cheaper, even though the uh, the taxes were higher and you had to pay for all of your services. People left the city because they could not see, they didn't have uh, schools um, that were, providing high-quality education to students. We looked at some of our school buildings. They were just totally under-resourced. And so people made decisions to move to uh, what they considered to be better labor markets because many of the uh, manufacturing facilities and corporate uh, headquarters uh, facilities move south, move to the south and western suburbs, leaving this, this, the inner city depleted of opportunities and resources uh, in terms of jobs and contracts. And if you look at many of it, even though Chicago's a city that works, we're not working if you're African-American. We're not working if you're uh, <clears throat> black. We are watching people uh, work, and so – the economic engines of a of a society moved out, and as a result, you see these communities where there are no jobs and people just uh standing around looking and waiting and then um, the education uh, system in Chicago changed drastically because we I went to school a neighborhood school. Dixon Elementary, it had everything in Dixon that one needed, and you didn't have to test to get in, and they didn't take uh, those children, students who tested high, who had high IQs, and moved them to one building. Uh, Instead, every neighborhood school had the same access, resources, uh, teachers, and equipment so that uh, you could walk to school every day. Now, what we have, uh, the brighter kids test out of the neighborhood school and they're bused to better schools. And the neighborhood schools have less investment. That happened 20 years ago. This idea of closing schools, closed schools along State Street Corridor, because uh, there was a decision made 20 years ago to, uh, to... take back the communities within 15 minutes of downtown Chicago, as many uh, whites decided to move back into the city from the white flight that they had uh, exhibited in the 1960s. And so now you have a city that has been continuously uh, not investing in basic communities. Chatham used to be the most uh, affluent middle class black community in the city of Chicago. And now you see it as more violent because the people that used to live there worked the, you know, the jobs. They were the postal postal workers. They were the bus drivers. Those were your jobs where you could work every day, you retired, and you could send your child to college. These kinds of uh, Maple Park, where my church sits, that was a community of black uh, police officers and firefighters and postal workers and CTA bus drivers so they could buy houses and they could fund them. That community wasn't a violent community. Now you have people put uh, in communities that can't afford to pay uh, market rate um, uh, rents. So now you have a, a you don't have a, a balancing of incomes. You have Poor people concentrated in areas with lack of investment. And you cannot. That is not sustainable. And so any mayor that comes in has to look at the city through an economic lens, not through a safety lens. Because where economics flow, safety will occur. You don't have as much violence on the Gold Coast since money is flowing. People people have money, jobs, and you know. Yeah, do
2: I know? Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, I know when people, you don't get trolled in the grocery store up there. You tend not to because people up there have full bellies. People around you, when you have all this want and all of this anxiety and all of this fear, of course this is going to happen. And I'm not making excuses for people, but I'm like, you know, a lot of people speaking from warm places, warm homes. Number one, you got a place to, to lay your head. I mean, a lot of people are really struggling out here. We had Darius Brooks, Pastor Darius Brooks on. He said, you would not believe the people who are coming by my food pantry every week. Hundreds, by the hundreds. They were just featured on the news last week. The people who are coming by, they're driving Mercedes and Lexus's, and you can say, oh, you shouldn't have that car. Oh, please. People lost their jobs. People lost their jobs. And living in the city is now, Dwight, it's unaffordable. It's just... It's, you can't walk, you can't even, people who make $100,000 a year or more are living paycheck to paycheck, Dwight. Now somebody's got to speak to that.
3: It's unaffordable by design because Rom had a systematic plan to move blacks out of the city. And so he set on that half a billion dollars of HUD money that was set up specifically to create low-income housing. But their logic is that as many whites as you could move back into the city is that you would increase their voting block, their voting base, and would not have run the risk of a minority male, a white, black—I mean black or Hispanic. I too went to Dixon House, Dixon uh, School, grade school. It was one of the best schools in the country when I was there. Even though they had us on double shifts, and they had Willis way. I too was raised in Maple Park, right up the street from Jeanette Church. And it was one of the most consistent and solid black communities in the country. But now what you have is you have those people are uh, moving from the um the projects unsubsidized and they can't afford the places now. And so it has to be a very systematic approach to uh, to to economic development, and it has to compensate for the disinve- uh, disinvestment again for the last hundred years of destabilizing the black community.
6: So,
2: I mean, so where do we go from here? I only have about um, four or five more minutes left, but you know what? I'm going to be talking with Dr. Max Wolf, and what he wanted to do today was tie um, the personal instability uh, to to tie the social instability to what's happening in the economy. Um, And, you know, I have to say this, you know, as I look at you know, Mayor Lightfoot, who, according to her polls, she's actually doing well. Um, according to others, she's not. The fact is, she inherited a mess—a mess. Everybody wants. To, no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk about going into a pandemic and what that meant. I me, mean, and that—that's what bothers me. I mean, these people act as if, you know, as if. With all due respect, like one of the candidates, all he does is go to other cities and privatize schools. That is antithetical to the board, county Board of Education, their goals and aims.
6: That is, that's, that's, yes. is, I and mean, he, what, what are we doing?
3: And he wings crime as a, a red flag to divert the fact that he's he st- stabilized education all over the country. It's, but we have to be aware of that. Uh, I think. Well, first of all, what you do, is that we have to be systematic using corridors of, of industrial investment to create new communities, as they did taking uh, 12th Street Roosevelt and putting a whole hospital system there and creating a whole new economy around the hospitals as they tore down one community and built another community. Uh, The University of Chicago always has a plan for their expansion at the expense of the black community. And so they have 20 and 30 year plans is how they're gonna systematically take the land over there for themselves at the expense of the black community. I think we we need to have a plan, where the mayor is, to put certain industries, certain industrial parks, certain hospitals, certain hotels, in right in the middle of the black community where the people can work and can have jobs and stability. That has to be part of your plan. It can't be happenstance where every time you get an extra dollar, You just build up a community center or something for the kids to play basketball. That is not going to be the answer. That is not going to be the answer. I've got about 90
2: seconds, Jeanette.
4: Well, I think each candidate really has to look at, when Dwight talks about a plan, that's not a person that can come up with that plan. There used to be a blue-ribbon group of social scientists, economists, and others to help develop a redesign for Chicago. The stuff that has happened is not by accident. It uh, It is a plan that has been implemented over a period of two, three decades. And we have to change what is going on. And that's a mayor has to have a vision that is comprehensive and with input from others.
2: Mm. Boom ribbon panel, everybody. Or oh, boom ribbon panel. I mean, where are the psychologists and the psychiatrists in our grammar schools? Where where are they? Where are they in the high school?
6: I mean, our neighborhood
2: schools should be should be on the on par with Whitney Young and Peyton and Jones and north side and M-
4: And when we look at these uh, little centers, these little economic uh, centers where you go to get your groceries and stuff, what should they look like? What kind of investment in the workers do they have? How are we making sure that workers are cared for properly? And the way you do that is you have to comprehensively look at the city, the 77 communities in in Chicago. How are all these communities faring? How do the schools look? What kind of economic, local economic engines do they have? Have what are the aldermen? What is it these aldermen are complaining? But what did you do as an alderman to deal with some of these issues in your in your ward? If you're a county commissioner, what did you do within your district? You're a legislator. What did you do? What kind of legislation did you introduce? What did you see? What did you fight for?
2: Amen hmm. to that. Well, we're tying uh, the economy to really how we're doing, everybody. Today, today, January 26th, we begin early voting, early voting in Chicago for the mayor of Chicago. Um, are you going to vote early? Please vote early. Don't vote often. I know that's a joke on Chicago, but go on and get out and vote, everybody. Don't let 10% or 20% of, of the populace determine what 100% of us must do. Get out and vote, everybody. And please check out the WCPT Mayoral Forum at 12 noon today. Go to WCPT820.com. Uh, go to WCPT's Facebook page. Go to my Facebook page, Santita Jackson and Friends. Go to the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. We're going to do all of that. <laughs> and I'm going to be talking with Dr. Maxwell in just a few minutes about the economy and, um, and the tie between the economy and domestic violence, all of this social instability, there's a lot going on, everybody. Back to the with Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. We can change the world,
0: change the world, change the world. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Santita Jackson show. I think Dwight decided to say because you know, every time we get to Wolf is going to be on, he gets very, very excited, of course. It's Thursday, bottom of the hour of the second hour. So, you know what that means is Dr. Max Frost Wolf time, brilliant economist and social commentator. He connects all of the dots for us, and it's very it's always very exciting to have him here and I'm always wondering what is he gonna talk about and he said, You know what, I wanna look at the shootings and the economy and all of this lack that's out here and um the social instability that um that this that all of this want that the people's needs are creating. Um, talk to us. I mean when you I mean, we have had what, forty mass shootings, we've had twenty six days in the year. I mean, wow, Dr. Wolf.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think we've put together more mass shootings thus far in January than many countries will put together in the next 10 years. And obviously there's a lot here and you could run the risk of oversimplifying things. Um, just to be clear, I don't mean to talk about one particular shooting, although there's plenty of merit and tragedy in each and every one of these stories. So I don't mean to do an injustice to it, but I'm not talking about the shooting in Half Moon Bay or the shooting in here or the shooting there. Right. The the, the notion here is just what is the relationship between the state, the country's in and this epidemic of gun violence, which seems to spill over from the personal. And the other thing, just to put it out there, though it's probably self-evident, this is not to say that it isn't an enormous problem when people harm themselves or people who they know with a gun, right? Which is the more common form of, of gun violence. Actually, I think more than half of the handgun deaths in the U.S. are suicides, right? So it's always the reason I found this idea that the gun's not the problem, and that if you had a lawful gun owner and more gun ownership in situation, you'd be better off. That kind of only works in that most statistically common scenario of gun violence. If you can shoot your left hand with your right hand, which seems like a lot to ask of a person in the grips of despair. So it's probably a, a different conversation. But this one is, why is it that when people want to yell out and call out how angry and upset they are, even if they're also maybe in many cases struggling with some mental illness, they do it by shooting a bunch of strangers in a public place? And in a society that doesn't much invest and often disdains the public square, why is it such a comfortable place for an act of violence? I think we kind of have to ask ourselves this question since we have cornered the market and spree shooting to an extent that is uh, beyond dispute.
2: Well, I mean, help me to understand why do the people get upset and they decide that they have the right to kill people? I need you to explain that to me. Do I well, hold on a moment? Do I, Nikki? Are you still with us? I mean, why is that? I mean, why why go public?
3: I'm sorry. I'm still with. you. Oh, I'm still okay, with you. I
2: mean. Okay, very good, because I would love for you to jump in. But, Dr. Wolf, I mean, why take this into the public square? I mean, because I've talked to some different, uh, different people, and they said, well, you know, when we were talking about one of these shootings, this was like two or three years ago, and a friend of mine loved him to pieces. He said, well, you know, he was having a bad day. You know, he lost his job. I, uh, I said, wait, 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 wait. So you have a bad day, so you decide to make me have a bad day, too? You have a bad day, so you decide you have the right to kill me. Are you serious right now? And he was like, "Well, you know, you can understand." I said, "No, I cannot understand that. I don't." And I think it speaks well, to a deeper being upset, right? Yeah, yeah being I understand angry,
7: being, being upset, upset, but I don't understand you killing sure. me. Yes, the form of expression is the problem, right? So, being upset, being angry. You know, being upset you lost your job or your family or that you, you can't afford your life or that your dreams haven't worked out, like all very reasonable, you know, things to make someone upset, right? So I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, that one isn't so much the trickier, unique part here. It's the expressing it in sort of killing people, right? And I, I think it also sort of betrays a lack of sense of community, a pretty profound one, and a lack of a sense of social engagement and responsibility. Right. And the reason that's interesting to me is that's also what we now know drives drug abuse, that disconnection from other people drives a lot of drug abuse and it drives a lot of the sort of public violence in the country. Right. Because people get angry at each other everywhere and always have, and people get disappointed and angry at the world and disappointed and angry at their lives everywhere. But it's a decision to shoot a bunch of strangers that really separates us from the pack. Right. And whether we like it or not, and this is not to legitimize anything, it has become a way to express your upset for a segment of the population. Right. And you, you know, we can deny that. It shouldn't be the case, but the statistics tell a different story. But there are a lot of people who feel like it's okay to harm people in the the public square when they're upset. Right. And it shows a sort of literally homicidal disrespect for the public good. I think that's what's more interesting here. Like that loss of civic sense, that loss of civic responsibility, that beginning of a a really kind of violent, disturbing process where you dehumanize other people, that is really disturbing. And it has now, I think, begun to work its way into our politics too, because some of these street shootings are a person following a logic we may never understand that's internal to them. But some of these people decide to go to a particular area or decide to attack a particular community, right? And that is a part of this pattern, and that's where there's a focused, generalized rage against anonymous people who you don't know and an issue to damage their lives. And to the extent that we have this many disengaged, this many angry people, and we have groups trying to harness that rage, I think it's high time we understood the dynamics of these public shootings, especially as we face a situation where public acts of violence have become in some cases more political, whether those those sort of grocery store shootings that we saw in upstate New York
2: here, or to some extent, January 6th. Well, you know what, but I think that the dehumanization, the public dehumanization of people, uh, it's part of the DNA. I mean, we used to sell people publicly, strip black folks naked, and expose all parts of their body. To the public square i mean it's just kind of in the dna i mean what do you think and then you and then dwight mckee dr wolf yeah
7: i think that disregard for the public the general public is a sort of sign of an elite that's lost touch and when the average person displays the sort of the sentiments and worldview of an elite that's lost touch, you have a very combustible situation. I think you see some of that here, right? This notion of whoever's out and about is just as good as anyone else to sort of feel my rage. Or that hurting members of the general public is a good way to paint your picture or tell your story. And that just shows a wanton disregard for public welfare, which probably does go back to dehumanizing certain people and whether that's the history of slavery or dehumanization of of, of black Americans or immigrants or the idea that a woman is an object for your pleasure to be judged and assaulted. We have a lot of historical problems there. But I do think the modern form, the free violence, has some unique characteristics as well.
2: Mm, What are they? I think it's
7: pretty unfocused, and there are people trying to focus it, right? And that's pretty disturbing. But I think it's sort of, I am mad at the world. I will hurt a bunch of people who don't matter in the public as a demonstration. And that means that the way you're powerful is inflicting violence, and the general public is there to serve your needs. That what it means to be powerful is to abuse the general public. So if you feel weak, you go out and show you're powerful by abusing a bunch of strangers. Those strangers may be from one community or religion, or they may not. But either way, that's how you show you're potent in the world. And what that portrays is a notion that power is the ability to inflict abuse on the general public. That is a very bent worldview for a participatory democracy. Hmm.
2: Dwight, what are your thoughts? And we've had 40 mass shootings.
3: I mean, we haven't had that many days in the year. Well, violence has always been an acceptable means of conflict resolution in, in this country. And what has changed, I think, is the technology has made it, has exaggerated the numbers. And technology has brought us into inside view, point of view, so we can see it happen now. But when you look at the nature of the country and where the country started, with uh, the natives scattered all over the country and them being killed by the millions and the Afghans being brought over and killed by the millions, it's always been a reality in a country of of violence and slavery. It's the term the Wild Wild West did not start last year. The Wild Wild West was the acceptable resolution in the 1850s and 60s and 70s, where people would literally walk into a saloon with their guns. And then if they had a problem, they would go out and have a gunfight, literally, and shoot each other in the streets. Before then, in the 1700s, they, they had duels where if you insulted somebody, everybody from the vice president to an average citizen would resolve that by going to the city square. Turning their backs, walking toward each, away from each other, being turned toward each other, and shoot each other in the face. And it was how men settled scores. And so there is something in not just the culture, but the nature of man, which they don't 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 have the wherewithal to. uh transform their passions in such a way as things can be resolved another way. You know, the role of religion in society is to temper passion. And, and when people don't have a sense of empathy or humanity for other people, then they let their passions get the best of them, and they think the best way to resolve issues It's by violence and by shooting somebody. That's why Jesus started out by saying, why don't you turn another cheek? Why don't we start by trying to temper our passions before we express ourselves violently? Somebody slap you. Just turn another cheek and try to start all over again. Very, very, very difficult, given the nature of man, to do that.
2: That's not where we are. I mean, where do you, how, how can we turn this around, Dr. Wolf? I mean, I mean, where, just give us a beginning or some places, some places to begin.
7: So, So I think all those are excellent points, but I think there's still something unusual at work here. Uh, in the U.S. lately beyond what we usually see, just because the rest of the world has countries that have versions, not identical, not the same alchemy, the same mix, but they have versions of and presences of a lot of the same very good points just made, and yet they don't have the gun violence, right? And we know that that's a fact on the ground, and we know that the love affair with guns is a big part of it, and we know that we never connect the dots. So we had 100 news stories a month about all the guns people were buying during the pandemic and we never had the conversations about what happens when it's easy to get a gun and hard to get mental health care. We never had that conversation and we don't ever have a conversation now about how all those guns and now all these shootings, gee whiz, guess that's probably unrelated, right? We also don't have a conversation that more than half of our spree shootings begin with an act of domestic violence. And yet our gun lobby, has worked pretty hard to make sure that people who have domestic violence convictions and histories and pending cases can keep their firearms. So there are some pretty unique features here. We also know the following that with all the upset we hear from various quarters, however, genuine, it may or may not be about critical race theory. I haven't seen critical race theory involved in 40 shootings in 2023. So it's also what we think is dangerous. We have a danger here. It's very clear. The rest of the world use us with some combination of horror and amusement here in our discussions on mass shooting. But they somehow don't have them, and we always do, right? And yet what we think is dangerous, teaching kids a history that makes us feel bad or whatever it is at any given moment or the wrong book in the, in the school library, and what is actually killing us don't seem well connected, right? And there's a determination to not figure that out. So I I think these things are all true. And there's a particular series of shaping influences on the American psyche and a notion of a toxic male where the only way to be in charge is to physically dominate someone else. And that shows up in our gender relations and our sexual assault epidemics, as well as the, the gun violence epidemics, which are often related, by the way. But there is still a notion among a, a large number of smart and reasonable people that their private firearm is essential. And to whatever extent that's true, it's only because so many of their fellow citizens have firearms. So this is a, what's called a collective action problem, right? And it's one that we are determined to not solve. And we're determined to ignore a a, a mountain of evidence higher than Everest and clearer than day. It's like the folks who have decided for whatever set of complicated reasons to reject theories of global warming and have tried to do so under the cover of some scientific lack of consensus. This has become the global warming of American streets. And the other reason I think we do it, maybe the way I would connect it to the past, is there's a long history of the taking of lives of people who are considered not to matter. And there's a turning point when you decide that the average citizen doesn't matter. And that turning point, whether it's election fraud or inequality or Citizens United or the 40th spree shooting in 2023, is not it's mutually exclusive with a function of democracy. Because if the will of the people matter, then killing them also matters.
6: I mean,
2: absolutely. I mean, but the, the thing is, we've always we've always had people who did not matter. And maybe it's the indigenous people and black people who've been the canaries in the mine. And we've always you know, ignored the canary in the mine until we need to go down in the mine ourselves. Um, you know, we have, it's in the DNA, Max, Dwight, for certain people not to matter. It's just now we're beginning to see. I, mean, I, I want to be I careful be with tried.
7: that phrase. I think it's in yeah. the DNA of the country, not the people. So, yeah, okay.
2: Oh, no. Excuse me, I, I stand corrected. It's in the D- DNA of the country. Not, it's not because it's, not, it's inhumane, quite frankly. And the great old cultures of the world do not even teach this. This is insane. But I think that we have got to be honest with who we, where we've been, who we've been, and who we are, and we have to decide who we want to become.
3: And okay, as long as to we to make to it a part of conflict re- resolution, Santita, we have, you know, this be a real problem. I remember when I was young, and every week we watched the, the, the rifle man. And hmm. every week before the show went off, every week, he at least shot two or three people with that rifle. Every week. It's how he resolved his conflict. And it becomes part of real part of the culture that it is an acceptable part of conflict resolution that if you have problems with somebody, you meet them in a town square and you shoot them. And so we really have to make studying war no more in conflict resolution part of the fabric of our education. We have to inculcate that in the spirit of our citizens the same way we inculcated violence in the spirit of our citizens you know part of the requires in the dna brother wolf is that the first thing that you you buy a young man on his for christmas on his for six christmas is a gun is a six shooter and he plays cowboys and indians and he grows up with that spirit in his mentality Bang, bang, shoot, you! And so we have to reverse that psychology in such a way that the kid has the mindset of turning his swords into flowersheds and studying war no more.
2: Hmm. Where do we go from here? Reverend Dr. Martin, Luther King asked that question more than 50 years of uh, Dr. Wolf, I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, what do we do? we had, 20, we're 26 days into the year, we've had 40 mass shootings. And that's just mass shootings, not just the people who have been shooting each other all over the place. And the people who've been committing verbal violence all over the airwaves and on and on and on it goes. Because I cannot separate verbal violence from physical violence. You know, the incivility in, in the incivility in our society.
7: To me, that's violent too. It probably all lives on a continuum of growing severity, right? The harsh words, the shove all the way up to the shooting. There's a kind of continuum. Obviously, there's a big importance in where you are on that continuum. But I think even the guns don't fully explain it. So I don't want to make this just about guns, because there are other societies where the gun ownership rates are very high that don't experience anything like the violence that we do toward each other, right? Even other societies like Canada where the gun ownership rate's pretty high and they have a troubled history with the indigenous population, to say the least. The average person walking around in Canada right now is not an Inuit. Right. Last time I checked. So they have a, mm-hmm. an interesting history there, too, um, but not nowhere near the historical violence, to be fair, I guess, that that we do in terms of toward each other. But I think the first thing we can do as sort of marginally potent talking head types, and that's more me than you guys, you're more potent in this regard than myself, but just to have the real conversation, to stop having the sort of one off or just crazy people Because even if these people are all crazy and clearly there are things wrong with anyone who shoots a stranger of a a non-trivial variety, even if these people are all crazy, then we have to ask ourselves why, unlike all other nations on Earth, we have this many crazy armed people running around and why it takes the expression. And where the conversation, I think, begins, maybe because I'm an economist and a statistician, but where I think the conversation begins to me is why do we produce this many mass shooters? We produce these people. They didn't come here from outer space and they didn't all just move here from another country. That's a grotesque fiction. And why is it as an American as apple pie to be upset about something and go and shoot a bunch of people who may or may not be around your ex-wife or girlfriend, right? Which may be also a public extension of something else we need to talk about, which is why is your boyfriend or your husband the leading cause of death for so many American women? Hmm we don't it's hard to ask people to meet with their apex predator.
2: Mhm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. First person they look for if if something unfortunate has happened to you is is your partner. What's going on, everybody? We have a big trial in the Carolinas right now where a big lawyer has been accused of killing his wife and son. I mean, come on, everybody. And we've got these five police officers who beat a man to death. What's going on? What is going on? I've got two minutes left here. Dwight, I'm going to give a minute to you, and then I'm going to have Dr. Wolf close us out. Dwight, one minute.
3: Well, you, you know, I always think that it's a, it's a, um, a spiritual, uh, uh, is that we are so, so spiritually and emotionally devoid of empathy and love, you know? Many of us don't love ourselves, many of us don't love our neighbors. It's very basic, very fundamental what religion issues is the Old Testament the New Testament the Quran all talks about how you need to love your neighbor and it sounds cliche but it's about that basis. and if you don't love yourself you can't love your neighbor and I find so many people in these mass shootings really have a disdain for themselves first that's <laughs> they disdain the, 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 the for their neighbor that's why once they shoot their neighbor they then Turn the gun on themselves and shoot themselves. uh, It's very fundamental. It's it's, uh, a matter of being able to reprogram ourselves spiritually and develop an empathy for and a love for ourselves and for our neighbors and for our God.
2: The last minute belongs to you. Yeah, I
7: do think that, you know, Dwight has an excellent point here. I, I think that people who feel connected, who feel part of something, see the world very differently than people who feel alone. And that worldview where you can't see beyond your own interests or your own suffering is a worldview that leads to bad decisions. And in a violent society, those are bad, violent decisions quite frequently. I do think the interconnectedness is important on everything. It's important on our health care. It's important on our voting rates. It's important on people understanding where they feel in the world. I think one thing we have begun to learn about social function and individual psychological health and individual physical health is that the more connected you are, the more fully alive you are, and the more you see the humanity in yourself and others. But I think it's a bad temperature take on the society if the level of disregard has gotten to the point of homicide.